All right. Thanks, everyone, for joining us this fine Sunday afternoon. Uh, it's a little bit after 4 p.m. Eastern Time, Sunday, September the 17th. Um, we are going to just do the general thing that we do, which is that everyone's muted because we have a fair amount of noise uh, in the world. And uh, if you want to, uh, to say something, then um, uh, just type it into the uh, Skype chat. And if you're not in the Skype chat, just ask. Um, I think Nils is running it. Um, then that's that's the way to ask questions, and then I'll, I'll unmute you when you. Um, so just just sort of raise your hand in that sense. Um, what I'd like to start off with is with um, a comment that was put out on the Free Domain Radio board, which I thought was particularly fascinating. And I just I did mention it in a podcast recently. Uh, it isn't with regards to the um, to the Muslim sort of offensibility and. The question was, uh, just sort of briefly for those who haven't heard the other, um, the other podcast, he said, somebody posted and said, this new wave of protest after the Pope's speech is highlighting a fact of our times. The Muslims are the most easily offensible people in the universe. I mean, all it takes is a few poorly chosen words for them to go on a protesting spree, some even burning churches and threatening embassies. And all of the times, they also bring cameras and very convenient signs in English, blah, 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 blah. Now, we all know what their apologists will say. This poster goes on to write. They are poor and desperate, and they are angry about their exploitation from the West. They have no other way to channel their frustration. That's uh, BS. I'm not sure what that stands for. Um, the overwhelming majority of the world is poor and frustrated. And in fact, most, in fact, are poorer than the Muslims, Muslims who usually live in what the UN classifies as middle-income uh, countries. And she says, before all the accusations start, I don't believe there is something inherently wrong with Islam, in my opinion. All religions can be bad or good. Uh, this, is not, this is somebody who's posting from, from another board. It's not his particular opinion, but it's an interesting set of questions. And so, of course, this reminds me of when uh, a listener was coming through Toronto with his grandparents. He asked for me to, um, uh, to sit down with his grandparents and have a chat with them about you know, the cults that we were trying to lure him into. So, of course, I showed up in, uh, um, in uh, a thong with some paper clips on my nipples and a uh, shaven head, of course, just so that I could help put their mind at rest about the kind of uh, nefarious underworld of uh, cult-like uh, uh, obsession that we were trying to lure him into. And it was actually a very pleasant chat um, with his grandparents, who seemed like very nice people, stalwart Republicans, but we shan't hold that against them. Um, and, you know, they said, do you talk about Islam? And I said, yeah, I do. I haven't gotten around because it takes quite a bit of research to do my big, big podcast on, on Islam. But they kind of went sort of a little pale, right? And they sort of, oh, you can't talk about those people. I mean, and I didn't think of this at the time, but I'm going to read a response that I think was uh, very well, very well put. Um, actually, no, just before that, uh, somebody who is a Muslim uh, actually wrote back and, and said, the following, uh, he said that, um, let me just find it here, doo, 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 doo. he said uh, that there are sort of two basic reasons that um, this sort of happens. The first is that he said a lot of Muslims are sensitive, uh, sorry, a lot of Muslims take their religion a lot more seriously than many Christians, and of course I think that that's relatively true. And also he said that a lot of Muslims are sensitive of their effective minority status after having much of their historical lands colonized by European powers. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole history of this sort of colonization. Um, of course, it has a lot to do with, with oil and, and so on. But I never really found those kinds of explanations too satisfying. 
uh, I take my beliefs much more seriously than even the average Christian does. Uh, so the strength of one's belief is not uh, something that results in violence and, touch and touchiness and, and volatility and so on. And, uh, yeah, you know, I come from Ireland and our lands were colonized by the British and, you know, so I could be a mad Irish terrorist or something like that. So it really, it's never a very satisfying answer to me, at least, when somebody says, well, it's because of these and these factors, but doesn't stop to test that theory with regards to other groups who suffer from the same history and have not turned out to be uh, so violent. So I thought that was an interesting response. But the one that I really wanted to get to was uh, uh, somebody who said, uh, in response to the question, are the Muslims the most volatile group in the known universe? He said, I wonder if that's really true. Do you know how U.S. tax court judges and IRS bureaucrats will react if you point out there's no law obligating individuals to pay income tax on wages? Not only will they be deeply offended, they will happily destroy your life if necessary in order to seize your money for the benefit of the state they worship. Very few Muslim individualists will treat you with, such, with as much brutality regardless of what you say to them about their religion. Have you ever witnessed the reaction of a liberal Democrat when somebody points out that most poverty is the direct result of the programs he advocates? He will belligerently continue to support programs that destroy lives. How is that any worse than what a gang of offended Saudi Muslims will do? Have you seen what a soldier's parents will do if you point out that the military is engaged in mass murder? Is their easily provoked hostility any less horrifying than the hostility of an offended Muslim? Have you ever noticed how easily a school teacher will be offended if you point out that government schools are incurably evil, institutions that invariably and unavoidably poison, pollute, and destroy the minds of children? Enraged Muslims might occasionally burn an embassy, but is that anywhere near as evil as abusing other people's children and wrecking their lives? Now, uh, Whatever hyperbole may be embedded within that statement, I'm not going to sort of try and dissect, but I do think that the fundamental issue is uh, very, very important, that we, we need to resist, I think, um, not once say, say at all costs, because I don't want to add my own hyperbole to the debate, but we do need to resist the temptation of imagining that there is a different species out there called Muslims, right? I mean, we need to sort of recognize that the vast majority of people, because of a, a lack of philosophy in the world or a lack of recognition and respect for philosophy and, of course, a lack of good philosophy, end up being largely conditioned by their circumstances, right? I mean, uh, philosophy is like the pruning of the mind. It, it grows wild in the absence of rational standards, just as our knowledge of the world grows wild and mystical in the absence of scientific standards, our, our knowledge of ethics and our place in society and our ethics um, really grow wild in the absence of philosophy, and most of human society is in a complete state of nature with regards to philosophy. It's not that they are oppressed by the West, and it's not their history, of course, because, as I pointed out, most Muslims are far more oppressed by their local friendly theocracy than they are by, say, you and I. Uh, and, and, of course, I do know that a lot of foreign policy from the United States and from Britain and from other countries has contributed to problems. There's lots of arms sales that go on to these Saudi governments and so on. But fundamentally, um, the, the central problem with uh, Islam is, uh, is merely a subset of other problems that result in violence. And the central reason that violence results in human society is because of irrational moral absolutes, right? Irrational moral absolutes. And those irrational moral absolutes, uh, obey your government, 
uh, pay your taxes, uh, worship your, your God, uh, go to church, go to mosque, pray five times a day, blah, 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 blah. We could go on all day. Or you're evil and respect your father and your mother regardless of how they behave morally. Those irrational moral absolutes always end up resulting in violence. And why? Because they're irrational. And irrational things have to be enforced. Just as bad you know, companies who produce bad products want to go towards the government to get the government to force you to buy them or to prevent imports from coming in. And it's the most unappealing people who were always in favor of arranged marriages, right? I don't think that Brad Pitt would necessarily be lining up at the front of the queue to say, we should really get arranged marriages in because then the odds of him getting Angelina Jolie, who I'm not saying is a great catch, but, you know, sure is kind of pretty, he's not going to be lining up for, um, uh, for arranged marriages. It's going to be some, you know, uh, horrible uh, person uh, with a bad temper and, uh, you know, who's overweight and you know, bad breath or something. And that person is going to be wanting to be lining up for arranged marriages. It's people who have uh, bad ideas, who have bad tempers, who can't, in the, in, who can't survive and flourish in a truly free market of ideas, just like bad filmmakers want government grants. Steven Spielberg doesn't seem to be lining up at the door for Washington uh, to get government grants, but all the Canadian filmmakers in the world live for that kind of stuff. So it is because irrational absolutes are always produced by inferior people in a way of trying to level the playing field so that they can gain some sort of respect. It's that touchiness, that insecurity, that vanity, uh, which covers up a kind of narcissistic rage, always tends to lead to violence. There's no way to negotiate with people who have irrational absolutes. And so the Muslim world is exactly... Um, the world that we would live in if we were over there and we grew up in that world. We can't blame the average Muslim for believing crazy things. They're terrorized as children. They're told that up is down, black is white, evil is good, and good is evil. Uh, the women in particular are terrorized their whole life long. And the idea that this is because of historical Western imperialism, I don't think that the average woman in Syria wakes up every morning and say, gee, if only I could be rid of Belgian rule in the 19th century. What I think she thinks is, man, I better put this burqa on or, or I'm going to get stoned to death. So I think that we need to try and humanize the problem of Islam, not say that it's other people out there who just believe crazy things who want to hurt us, because that level of fear is what is always used by states to... Uh, enslave their own citizens, right, to create more and more regulations and laws within towards their own citizenry. Osama bin Laden can't do a damn thing to tax you or I. He can't take one freedom away from us. He can't impose national ID cards on any of us. All he can do is sit there and, you know, I, I don't even know, well, I have no idea his involvement with 9-11 or lack of, but he can't take away our freedoms. Only our own government can do that. And so we always want to make sure that we humanize everyone around the world, that you and I have far more in common with the average Muslim than we do with our own leaders, because we're all uh, subjugated under this gruesome apparatus of the state and uh, organized power structures. So I just sort of wanted to, to point that out as a possibility, and uh, this is not to say that uh, Islam is not a uh, corrupt and uh, uh, destructive uh, creed and set of beliefs. It certainly is. But I think that if we do want to start fighting irrational, destructive beliefs, we can start a whole lot closer to home. And of course, what nobody has mentioned so far, which I'll just end up with here, is that if you really do want to see um, 
irrational uh, hostility in action. You don't need to tune into CNN to look at Muslim hordes. Generally, what you need to do only is to sit down with your family and tell them about the beliefs that you hold the most dear and why you believe them and why they're important to you. And you'll get all of the irrational hostility that you need uh, to be able to analyze without necessarily having to go through the filter of something on television. So um, I just want to make sure that people focus on where you have control and where you have uh, some sort of ability to have a real effect on things. You can look within your own society and your own social circle much more closely than you can look into the soul of Islam. And more importantly, you can look at your own family, which I think is, is the most useful thing to do. So let's just see here. Let's see. I'm just going to... Uh, the audio is bad. You know what's funny is that it keeps uh, cutting out here. All right, so let's just wait for one moment. I'm recording on this side still, I think, so um, we'll just wait and see uh, for somebody to come back. Now, uh, Greg, you, uh, I, whether you feel comfortable or not uh, to talking about this, you can uh, let me know. Uh, and, of course, when I say Greg, I do actually mean Sally. It's a pseudonym. But um, you did have a rather exciting week. Uh, if you wanted to talk a, a little bit about that, I'm sure it would be helpful for people. Uh, it's, it's up to you. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, it was uh, <laughs> pretty instructive, I have to admit. Um, on uh, oh, what was it Friday afternoon, uh, my brother called me and said that uh, we'd been invited over to my parents for dinner, and um, I, you know, I've been kind of avoiding them the last few months myself, but. I said okay, I'll I'll go with. And uh, when we when we got over there, uh, um, you know, about halfway through the meal, uh, John pipes up and says, uh, uh, you know, starts talking about how um, John's my youngest brother, and he starts talking about how uh, you know there's things that. Uh, things that have been bothering him about our parents and and uh, starts asking them a bunch of questions and stuff. And I, I realized about a minute or two into his talk that he was essentially defooing. And, uh, Let me just, uh, for those who are just jumping into the, the language, um, defooing is... Um, a family of origin is that if you can't establish satisfactory relationship with your family, that you should not feel morally obligated to continue to see them. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. But but anyway, um, <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny because uh, I've been kind of bouncing some of the ideas that I've, that I've picked up here uh, off of him over the last four or five months. Of course, I've been stewing them in my own head for about the last eight or nine months, right? And um, trying to come up with the best uh, approach to um, dealing with my parents. And sorry, uh, just for those who haven't followed this history, uh, Greg is our resident Hamlet. His opening speech is usually defu or not defu. Anyway, well, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, I have to admit that you know, I'm wishy-washy, but. <laughs> but but anyways, uh, I, I guess uh, 
all this chatter has been kind of rubbing off on him and uh, he's kind of taken it to heart and uh, you know pick the ball up and run with it all by himself and and uh, without even really any prompting from me and and kind of come to the same sorts of conclusions completely independently of um, the podcast or uh, any of uh, your own writings of that it's just in general conversations that I've had with him, he's he's sort of come around to the same kind of uh, idea, and, and and what really what really caught me off guard was his um, ability to actually put the plan into action. I guess you could say, you know, he. Uh, uh, it was very um, uh, startling <laughs> to, to see it happening right in front of me. You know, uh, I hadn't expected it, and uh, I don't. I, I know my parents weren't expecting it. Well, and, and, uh, and I just I've got a couple of questions to ask. But first of all, there are ways to tell whether he's been listening to the podcast. For instance, when he began launching into this process of at least bringing about a trial separation with your family. Did his voice alter into a slightly nasal, slightly British accent? Did he go on for about 20 minutes without taking a breath? Like, were there indications that he might have been listening to the podcast? Because that's, you know, there are clues, you know? Did he have lots of... Well, well I've, been no- I've been noticing his hairline has been receding lately. <laughs> oh, oh, I can't wait for the conference call. That's live. Um, now, let me ask you something, because I have a couple of questions about it overall, if you don't mind. And the first question sure. that I would ask is, why do you think that... Um, oh, no, let me ask you this. If he had told you what he was going to do, what would your reaction have been? Well, <laughs> I'm, I, I, I don't know. I would have probably... I probably would have been... Um, oh, how to put it... Um, <laughs> well, I would have been encouraging him to make sure that uh, what he's doing is what he wants to do and not, you know, something that he thinks he has to do because of some of the talks that we've been having, you know, that, that it's his, you know, that he owns that decision, right? I guess that's what I would have done. Had he had he uh, mentioned it to me beforehand? And what criteria would you have accepted for him to know that it was his own decision? Uh, I don't know. Because I mean, that's kind of like a, a worrying question, you know. It's like when you say, right. "I want to go to the mall," and someone says, "Are you sure you want to go to the mall?" It's like, you know, <laughs> suddenly I I don't know, <laughs> right? So well, I just wonder well, if see, he what, might not have. What What kind of worries me is the fact that I mean. He he rooms with me. You know, I have a spare bedroom and he lives here. So mm-hmm. uh, he's you know he's around all this stuff that I do all the time. And so I I just don't want I don't want what he's doing to be you know what he thinks he has to do because I'm here. And right? do you think that uh, you're a particular like so you're afraid of being sort of the elder brother dominant influence on him and him sort of running off uh, half cut so to speak based on stuff that he's uh, talked about right. with you. Exactly. Now, do you exactly. feel... Exactly. I'm that, always worried about that. But. Right. 
do you feel that that's your relationship with uh, uh, the conversations that we have uh, on the board and in the podcast and just the stuff that you're reading and in general? Do you feel like the stuff that you're looking at with your own family is something that's owned by you or something that's sort of you being swept away in a conversation that's uh, initiated by other people? Well, it, my, my opinion on that swings back and forth. Of course it uh, does. Quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally. I mean, you wouldn't want to come down on either side of the fence. I'm just kidding. Go on. <laughs> okay. I don't, I don't know why that is, but that, that's the way it is. But. So do you think – I mean, the, the reason that I'm just sort of – I'm asking this is, is uh, because I'm an enraged younger sibling, but we'll get to that in a moment. But um, <laughs> do you think – I mean, the, the, the question that I have to some degree around your interaction in this area with your brother in particular is that I think that you may – be prone to not necessarily seeing uh, the, the sort of aspects of projection that we've talked about in some podcasts before uh, around if you feel that you might be unduly influenced by other people, that's your issue to deal with yourself, right? I don't know that it's necessarily empirical, not to say fair, to say to other people, because I might be in, in, over, overtly in, influenced by other people, I'm concerned that you might be overly influenced by other people. Like if you can withstand the influence of 400 podcasts, I'm sure your brother can withstand the influence of a couple of conversations. Does that make sense? That's that's fair. That's that's a fair criticism, I think. Uh, I, I guess maybe I'm not giving him enough credit is what you're saying. Well, no, I'm saying more so that you are projecting your own concerns into into uh, into him. Right, So you're on the fence about this whole process, and so you're asking him or intimating to him that he, he should doubt himself because you doubt yourself. right? And, that's, and the reason that I'm saying this is because uh, I think that's the reason he didn't tell you beforehand. Right. Certainly, I can certainly. Uh, I mean, I'm very sensitive to the stuff that comes back, and and your stuff is almost always fantastic, and it's always fantastic in every way. But certainly, uh, I've been brought up short a couple of times by sort of questions and comments uh, where I've had to, and those it's not necessarily bad, but um, where it's like you, you could sort of make a, to some degree, you could make a dead man doubt that he's dead, if that makes any sense. <laughs> I mean, you do have that incredible ability. You know, I, I really, I sort of see you dissolving mountains into clouds somehow, you know, like, uh, and, and I can only imagine what it's like living inside of that, let alone, you know, so I totally understand that. And, and I'm just now, now imagine how, uh, now imagine how bad things would be if I was actually like a relativist. Right. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, I can see why you need this stuff, right? We must turn at least one of these cloud mountains back into a mountain. I need some place to stand. But uh, I would say that, and the only reason for that is that I think that that's probably the reason that, um, uh, that, that he didn't talk to you about this beforehand was because he was afraid of, of what might happen to his resolve with your gently probing and fundamentally corrosive kinds of questions, if that makes any sense. Um, and that's a possibility. And then the, the last question that I would have is if project, like we, we do in life generally what was done, like without significant intervention, we do unto others what was done unto us. That's just the natural cycle of psychology. And so do you, do you have anyone in your life who you feel may have projected their own emotional state onto you in the past, and that's sort of where you learn to be perhaps a little bit over-solicitous or to project your own concerns into, the, uh, into conversations with others? Well, um, <laughs> well, the obvious answer for that, I suppose, is my parents, right? 
Now, do you hear that suppose? See, that's, that's, that's what we're talking about here. It's not a yes. It's not a no. It's a, yeah, it could be kind of. I'm, I'm, the Greg, Greg uh, never wants to get into any room where there's not at least 200 exits. If it's not a honeycomb all leading to two exits, then it's a problem, right? But we'll wait for Michael to get back on the line to continue that on a philosophical sense. But, um, well, I don't know because I don't – I mean, I only know some, uh, some facts about your, your parents, but – uh, did you did you feel sometimes like if your mom got worried? Did she feel that she did you ever feel like she tried to like unconsciously or whatever, but made everyone else worried as well? Um, see that. I, <laughs> well, my mom always made everybody worried. <laughs> so so far, well, the trail might not be entirely cold, right? Okay. Okay, no, that's, that's very important, and, and Christina does the same thing, right? I have a fundamental inability to know when it's cold outside. I don't know what it is. I have some sort of bizarre exoskeleton that just gives out 10 minutes into a walk. And so, uh, Christina, is, uh, do, do you think you need a jacket, right? So I'm striding out confidently into a howling blizzard in just like a thong and a baseball cap. And then Christina's like, do you think you might need a, a jacket? And suddenly I'm like, yeah, I... I guess I, I might. Now I don't know, right? And if this, I mean, this to a really hyper level is what occurred in your family, right? Then, then you're used to uh, other people getting anxious, and that makes you anxious, right? So then when you get anxious, one of the ways in which you might deal with that is to, uh, to ask other people sort of, quote, probing questions, which makes them anxious, and then that sort of makes you feel a little less anxious, if that makes any sense. Uh well, I guess I guess what it—I I don't know if that exactly applies. I mean, I, I can't point to one thing that says this is what makes me anxious, right? Or this is where I get my anxiousness from. I just—I just sort of am. You know, there, I mean, there's, there's you know, there's, there's lots of, of things I could complain about. With my parents and my brothers and whatnot, but um, I can't. I can't really think of one specific thing that says, "Oh, you know, that's why I'm the way I am." Right, and that either means that that the theory that we're working with here is totally incorrect, or it's totally correct. Right, because if I mean this is this is the level of scientific precision that we no, it means that it's usually like if if it is something that's a very sort of core and fundamental aspect of learning that went on within your personality, then either it's so core and fundamental that it's hard to see, right? In the same way that it's hard to be constantly aware of gravity or oxygen, they're just sort of your environment, or there's no connection whatsoever, in which case it's totally wrong. And I think when you talk about your mother making everybody else anxious, that's uh, that's a pretty common. Uh, that's a pretty common phenomenon, and the reason I picked on your mom is just because it generally is a little bit more, right? Men, men, uh, immature men will handle fear with rage, right? And of course, we know certain aspects of that with your father. Um, and so basically, when men are unable to handle fear, then what they do is they make somebody else afraid. Uh, so basically, they'll act in a menacing manner or, or hit a child or scream at a child. So they'll make a child afraid, and that's how they handle their own fear is they dump it on the kid and then feel that at least they're not as frightened as the kid, and that helps them restore some kind of equilibrium. I mean, it's brutal and it's unjust, but that's not a, a very uncommon phenomenon. Like, you, you all know the sort of thing where uh, the, the kid goes missing. Right? We all know the sort of cliche. A child goes missing in a mall, and then... Um, 
you know, the, the, the mom gets completely panicked, right? And the dad gets sort of angry and efficient. And then they find the kid, and the mom is like grabs the kid, clutches her to clutches the boy to her chest so he can barely breathe and is sobbing and so on. And the dad is like, don't you ever frighten your mother and I like that again, gets all angry. I mean, this is a pretty typical kind of response among parents. A lot of times the men will uh, deal with their own That's fear funny. through anger. Sorry, go ahead. That, that, that exact same scenario happened to my brother Steve when uh, we were in, oh, where the hell were we? We were in Florida in 79 or 80. And uh, he was just a, just like, toddler at the time and wandered off just randomly you know there's tons of crowds at Disney World so he he wanders off and they just happen to stumble on him and uh, in the process of looking for him and and the exact same scenario you just described there is exactly what happened yeah no I mean and I this is not uh, me being overly psychic it's that's just a sort of natural way that things work and moms right. uh, feel feel anxiety and manage it by making their children anxious, right? By, uh, you know, do, are you warm enough? Do, do you have enough food? Do you have enough clothing? Do you have enough money? Do you need anything, right? And uh, you get enough <laughs> of that, right? You get enough of that. Oh, and my suddenly God. You're like, suddenly you're like, it, it, you know, I thought I had enough of everything, and now I'm not so sure. <laughs> well, it's, it's actually worse than that in our household. And she goes to the point of actually ap- apologizing when we don't have what we need. Right, right, right. Yeah. Listen, I've packed yeah. you some lunch and an extra kidney that I took out with a spoon this morning just in case you get hurt at lunchtime. <laughs> right. right, or like, you know, like we'll be out and I'll grab my wallet and go, oh, damn, I forgot to get cash. And mom will go, oh, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> oh like, like what, you're going to get me cash? <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right, right. Right. No. And and look. I mean, this this is. I mean, it's all fun and games. This is a desperately sad situation for women, right? I mean, I don't want to come across like all feminist, but uh, it is a very very difficult situation uh, for for women, right? To to be assertive and so on uh, can can be very can be very tough. And a lot of women are kind of ground down, and they're ground down both by their moms, right, who also instill them with fear and guilt and all that kind of stuff, by their fathers and also by their husbands and so on. So. I mean, not to say that your mom's not responsible, she is, right? But there's a lot of social pressure for women to kind of apologize themselves into a kind of fine, guilty vapor, if that sort of makes any sense. And there's a lot of control in that for other people, right? There's, it's kind of claustrophobic being around somebody who apologizes for themselves all the time, right? It's, it's there's a lot of manipulation and control, right? It's passive aggression. Sorry? I say it's unbelievably claustrophobic yeah it is you feel like you just you can't move like you're in this sort of suffocating net of like claustrophobic femininity and uh, yeah it is it can be uh, uh, I certainly when I'm around it it's hard for me as well because I mean my mom wasn't exactly the most apologetic person in the world she chose somewhat more masculine ways of uh, <laughs> of, of uh, controlling her own emotions or managing her own emotions but uh, that that particular approach is something that um, you might profit from uh, talking uh, about it with someone or, or uh, you know, just sort of thinking about it more yourself, that what happens when you feel something that makes you uncomfortable, right? That's sort of the fundamental question of psychology. What do you do when you have an emotion that makes you feel uh, uncomfortable? You want to talk about Which it? for me is just about everyone. Right, and, and that's, that's because it doesn't work. Projection doesn't work. Uh, projection works about as well in managing the emotions as taking heroin does in managing depression, right? You will get a very short relief, but the problems will come back worse and worse, right? So uh, that's uh, projection is, is, is a very uh, dysfunctional way of dealing with emotions, right? And 
so the important thing is to just look at the emotional handling mechanisms that you were taught and sort of abstract them and understand them. And there's you know, tons of books and so on that, that you can look at for that. And then just recognize that you don't want to do the same thing. Right? You want to find some other way of managing your emotions. And the great thing about that is that you will eventually end up having the capacity to involuntarily burst into tears at work. And I think that's really the <laughs> ultimate goal of, of mental health, right, is to be so free and easy with your emotions that you're like some you know, Spanish conquistador on, 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 on LSD, right? I mean, so and I, I'm sort of kidding about that. There is a certain amount of emotional sort of, quote, instability that goes around with, with developing more authentic ways to, to feel, but uh, uh, for sure, it's, uh, it's well worth doing, right? Because you don't want to have this continued level of, of like anxiety and, and uh, uh, over-ditheringness, if that may be a phrase that I can invent. Um, and, um, I think that's pretty fair. Right, and, and so one of the things that you can do is you can ask, and, and uh, you know, why, you ask your brother why, why he didn't talk to you, and if it was to do with the fact that I thought that I might, uh, you know, that you might sort of say, hey, let me just see your sword for a moment and then throw it off a cliff. Um, but the last thing that, uh, that I would ask, and this, is, this to me is important, and I'm sorry for taking up so much of other people's question time, but I think this is important, because, you know, something that I haven't really talked about much is sort of birth order, but I do think it's a very important thing. Because you'd said at one point in your post, you'd said, well, my, I'm supposed to be the older brother. I'm supposed to do this stuff first. I'm supposed to this. I'm supposed to that. And can you tell me a little bit about this sort of older brother thing and, and what it means to you? I don't know. I've just always kind of felt like I should be an example. And how old is you your know? younger brother? Uh, he's 20, 26 now. So that's 13 years, right? Yeah. Right, right. So, I mean, that's a pretty significant chunk. But he has sort of been legally allowed to vote for what, uh, seven years? Yeah. Eight years? Yeah. Nine years. 27, was he? 26? Eight years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah. for 10 years, he's been allowed to legally drive a car? Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I mean, to me, I'm always sort of curious about when the uh, the older brother thing sort of fades away and i'll be perfectly honest i mean that i don't want to cuz i don't want to project into you either but uh i <laughs> i have my my brother never let this grip go we're only 2 years apart my elder brother was never able to let this grip go of the elder brother thing. So, uh, you know, don't take uh, any of my emotional <laughs> sort of aspect behind this with any seriousness. But it is sort of curious to me because I sort of wonder at what point the statute of limitations on birth order begins to diminish. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I suppose that's true. It's, it's, uh, it's not really reasonable, but uh, um, I don't know. I, I just feel like you know with 13 years on him i've got 13 years more time spent right <laughs> yeah so and it's not like i'm you know kind of forcing myself on him it's at least i try not to now my brother tom is completely different in that respect he he's always tried to play daddy with John, you know, and which I found kind of creepy, quite frankly. But whereas you're more sort of the wise uncle kind of guy. Yeah, I, yeah, I try to be like that. You know, try to you know be available rather than to be domineering. You know? And at what age do you think that you will be able to look at him as as an equal? Well, um, 
Well, that's a good question. Because you know, after this week, I would have said that he might have moved up just a little bit, you know, in this kind of in this kind of hierarchy. Quite, quite frankly, I, I didn't even think of it in those terms. But uh, when you ask the question, it, it, it makes it pretty obvious that I'm not. Well, because you, you, well, just in this area, right? I mean, but because you, you love him, right? I mean, he's he's the one of your family members that you want to you want to stick with, right? Yeah. Now, if yeah, he's on he a sorry, just in, just if he's on a pre, if he's on a pretty focused mission to figure out uh, who gives him the most freedom, who gives him the most positive responses, I think that you don't want to accidentally get mown down by having older brother attitudes. If he's going through a pretty grim evaluation of his family members and the degree of latitude and freedom and respect that they give him, I can guarantee you, as a younger brother myself that he is going to be exquisitely sensitive to uh, any feelings that you have of sort of being the wise old man on the rock teaching the newbie? <laughs> no, I, I I understand that. I completely agree, which is why whenever I have a conversation with him, I always um, approach from the standpoint of um, just, you know, one-on-one one -on -one kind of thing, you know, I'm not like lecturing i don't lecture you know right I'm but i mean really if you do have if you do have feelings that you are sort of the older brother and you should teach him and so on those will communicate themselves we the the one great thing about getting older is you realize how impossible it is to hide anything from anyone uh, so uh, sorry go ahead I, I, in on that question though it it was more like is you know it's more like i felt like you know, why haven't I gotten to that point by now? Why haven't you? Why haven't I gotten to the point that he's gotten to in four months that I've been wringing my hands over for nine months? You know? Right, and I would say that one of the reasons that you haven't been able to is that you have uh, a, a slightly false self aspect called older brother. Okay. Right, because... He obviously, like, it's, it's a pretty significant thing that, as I mentioned in the post, that, that he did this while you were there, right? That's not, yeah. that's not an accident, right? He could have absolutely at any time driven over and done it on his own, right? So and, you were another, totally, sorry, go ahead. Another telling aspect of that whole event was the fact that he was noticing and starting to get really irritated by things that my parents were doing that night that I was oblivious to. Oh yeah, parents are incredibly cooperative when you defu. Like they, they, they fundamentally they uh, they beautifully validate everything that you're concerned about, right? And you give them every piece of rope in the world, and all they do is keep throwing themselves off a cliff, so to speak. So, um, but but the the thing I was really curious about is that uh, obviously your conversations with him have had a huge effect, but he still didn't talk to you about this before he did it. Right, because you guys could have done it together. You could have been a less sort of "Hey, wait, catch up" kind of guy in the conversation. And I, th I'm guessing, and of course, you you should talk to him, obviously, to find out what he thinks. But <laughs> I'm guessing that it's because there is still a certain hierarchical difference between you that's based on the birth or birth order, which I think is something that uh, you know, if you do love and respect him, and he sounds like a, a courageous fellow, as of course are you then uh, I would say that the statute of limitations for birth order for me sort of runs out around puberty, but uh, it may be something that is, uh, is keeping you back from having uh, as productive or as positive a relationship with him and a sort of open a relationship, right? Yeah, I guess there's some aspect to that. But 
it, it, it's a lot less a lot less prominent, I, I guess you could say, than it is with the rest of my brothers. Yeah, I certainly agree, and that's why he wanted you there, right? I mean, you guys have probably the best relationship. In, in fact, I'm positive you guys have the best relationship in your whole family and almost almost for sure your whole extended family and maybe perhaps your half of the state, right? So, <laughs> I mean, I'm serious, right? You guys have a great relationship, and that's something to really be treasured, right? I mean, uh, and I just have noticed uh, in my own life that this this hierarchy of – it's not just siblings, right? I have friends – who are older than me, who who have a very tough time learning anything from me, right? And it's not like I'm out there spouting off saying, you should do this and you should do that, right? But uh, it's something that Christina and I kind of noticed, right? Like we have this fantastic marriage, we love every moment that we have together, and uh, nobody will ever ask us who's older than us, gee, how can we help, how can we improve our relationship, right? It, it's just something that there's an age hierarchy that's even more the case, with siblings, but it's, it's, it occurs with friends as well. This age hierarchy, to me, is just pure nonsense, right? I mean, once you get beyond the age, of, like, once you can all walk and read and talk, then I think things should sort of even out a bit. And, of course, it's that age hierarchy in its most fundamental sense that is what makes parents so problematic because they just stay in this hierarchy and they try and maintain this hierarchy that's totally crippling for their children as the children try and become adults themselves. That, that's, that's a good point. I... I one of the things I I consciously try to do at work, for example, is to not pay any attention to that. To to I I'll often de- de- defer to guys younger than me, especially in this industry. You know where yeah. you know, there's a new programming language coming out every 15 minutes. You know? Right, right. <laughs> Free domain cobol so, is next. Yeah. <laughs> right. So so you have to stay open to that. You know, because they'll teach you things that you don't know, right? Yes, for sure. And here's a very strong example of, of your brother, right? Obviously, he's learned a lot from you about this question. He's been able to put it. But, but you have something really to learn from him about decisiveness. And you, you won't be able to get to that knowledge if you have a hierarchy still as part of your interaction. So. That's, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk to about that? And I certainly do appreciate it. I know it's not the easiest topic in the world, and I think it's uh, great. I'm, I mean, I think it's fantastic uh, that you're having these conversations with with uh, your brother. And, and has there been – actually, has there been any fallout with your uh, from your parents or with your parents on this yet? Uh, well, actually, uh, <laughs> they're not calling John anymore, but they keep calling me. I haven't picked up the phone, but they keep calling me, <laughs> you know. Wanting to nag me about it, and I'm like, uh, I don't want to talk anymore. It's, it's done and over with, you know. Oh, Greg, sorry. Hi, I was just going to say right. that if uh, if uh, if your brother has uh, sort of separated from your parents and you're living with your brother, it's very very likely that your parents are going to try to use you to get at him. So uh, you just need to be a little careful. Um, and set a limit with them. It's going to be really difficult for you uh, until you clarify your own position. Right. That's that's a good point. Yeah, I, I I'm still kind of working in that direction myself. Right. Um, um, but but it's de- it's definitely a direction I'm moving in. But <laughs> as we've made abundantly clear here, I you know I. I 
can't, um, you know, poop or get off the pot, I guess. You know, so. just just uh, just some encouragement. I mean, this isn't an easy thing. Your brother did it in four months. We don't know what motivated him to, motivated him to do it. We don't know how long he's been thinking about it. I, I certainly don't know anything about your brother, so I don't know, um, you know, what his motivating factors are, how long he has felt distressed, or how long he's been aware of problems with your parents. But nine months is not a long time. So you know, if it takes you a year, if it takes you two years, you got to do it at your own process. Uh, you got to do your you got to take your process at its own pace. And, uh, you know, your brother did it in four months. Well, that's great for him. But if you're not ready to do it, there are things that you obviously need to answer for yourself. And I, I kind of feel like he went through, as a kid, a lot more than I did because my parents were unloading all kinds of crap on him that uh, I don't remember ever having to deal with. You know, their own personal marital problems and problems between them and other brothers and stuff like that. My dad would spill it all on him. My mom would spill it all on him. I mean, he was 12, 11, 12, 13 years old at the time. So. Wow. You know, one of the things just, just struck me listening to you, I mean, you he is, he is uh, living with you, and maybe he found the courage to leave your parents or to defoo. Uh, because he has a safe place to be while he does it. That's a good point. You know, that's, I mean, and that's kind of that's kind of how I've I've been sort of looking at it myself. You know, I've been trying to stay out of his way and let him do his thing. And you know, he's he's trying to get into grad school and you know, working his way through college and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's it's. Hard enough to do that, and then to take on this, you know. So you, I, I, I kind of feel like I'm at least helping by providing a space for him. You kind of feel like what? Yeah. Like I feel like I'm helping at least because I can provide a space for him. Right now, did you guys have? A, did you drive to your parents' place together? Uh, actually, no. Uh, I had to work late. I was going to ask you what the drive home was like. <laughs> that was uh, well, the, uh, the 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 after getting home, uh, we talked for about two hours after that, and you know he air, aired out a lot there too. I know it's trying... Go ahead. No, no, no. I I, uh... I know this is very very personal and very. Um... Uh, hard to talk about, so I'm going to give the, the mic back to Steph. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe you and I could chat some other time. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out a way to say it without like saying too much, you know. Right, right, right. But, I appreciate that. I like I said, I know that it's uh, very personal, very sensitive, and uh, you don't necessarily want to be talking about all of this in front of, you know, a bunch of people. <laughs> well. I, I did post it on the internet too. So. That's true. <laughs> and actually, you know what? I mean, kudos to you. It is a it is a very brave thing to do, and as part of the healing process, it's important to talk about uh, what we've experienced and to name the things that we've gone through. Um, the more we keep things close to our chest, it's like we're giving people sanction for what they've done. That's an interesting point. So yeah, it's part of the part of the healing process. So good for you. Steph's back. Well, thank you. Okay. 
All right. Uh, sorry, on a minor technical aside, um, these, uh, I think the reason uh, that we have had problems with Skypecast is that I did set up the Skypecast to go for three hours, but apparently when you confirm, it sets the time back to 15 minutes, and of course that's, that's the issue that's occurring. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, ask uh, people to... Um, uh, I set up a new one, and let's because uh, no nobody who's nobody can get in, so I'm going to I've just set up a new one. If you can hear this, then we can just have a look for a new one that's starting at five o'clock. It's starting right now, and if you don't mind, let's um, uh, let's switch over to that one, and let's uh, sort of continue uh, the chat uh, from there. Okay, so if you would like to just go back to uh, actually, let me just uh, I will put it up here so that we can. I started one minute ago. I will put the Skypecast in. Do, 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 do. Okay, I'm just going to put this into the window. If you'd like to join there, then we can keep going. Sorry about that. I didn't realize that it uh, moved over uh, and substituted uh, a very sad amount of time for something which should have been the standard. So I'll stop this, and I'll, I'll join you guys over there in just a sec.